Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Brian J. Henderson. And I'm your co-host, Gregory Turner. Gregory, how are you today? I'm blessed, Brian. I'm blessed. Man, tonight's topic is, woo. It's, uh, it's, it's something that's, woo, boy, it's going to shake up some souls and... It's just going to be a good show. I think it's something that that we definitely need to get out there. The person that we have on tonight, this is her second time on the show. The first time was such a big hit. Uh, We just had to bring her back and and talk about some things and some issues that a lot of households don't really talk about. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's and tonight's show is called Choose Life. And the reason we want to bring this issue out you know it's, it's such a important one and it's such a sad one because you know just from the onset when it was legalized and we're talking about abortion for those that don't know uh, since abortion was legalized we've had over a million and a half babies aborted yes. and these are just recorded numbers you know, we're, we haven't even gotten to the point where we're talking about, you know, the undocumented, unlicensed abortions that go on, you know, every evening or every day, you know, or the forced abortions that nobody ever reports. Right. You know, so these are some of the things that we need to talk about, especially as in the body of Christ, because sadly it's going on in the body of Christ just as much as in the world. Yeah. You know, and one of the reasons I believe it's going on, and, and I know it's going on in the body of Christ, is because, you know, with believers, you know, if, especially when their children are, you know, involved in something like that, and say their children get pregnant and so forth, you know, they they say, well, you can't have a baby out of wedlock. You know, so they don't want that person, or you're going to mess up your life. And so they choose that option. You know, and it's just so sad because it, they could have chosen life. Yeah. Because they don't know that baby that they aborted could have been the next president. Yeah. You know, or the you next know, great leader. Yeah. Right. A lot of times too. Now we 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 have people that have been raped. We have people that have health issues that may have to have these abortions. They may have to have it done. Right. Uh, it's a lot of different things that you know. Sometimes I guess. Society, we can say that it's okay because it, it's saving someone's life. It's not taking someone's life. It's, you actually, for health reasons, you're not doing it. And you know, if a woman was raped and that type of thing, I I, I think it's an okay thing. But Brian, I think what what the, the the issue is: do people have that choice to do that? And that's something that the the president uh, debate about all the time, and, and none of them really want to talk about it. Because it's such a sensitive issue, it, it can cost them a lot of votes if they say one thing the wrong way, or <clears throat> if they agree with one side. And and it, it, and decide it it is a choice. It's definitely a choice. But the thing is, before you do it, can you handle what's going to happen after that? And the person that we have on tonight can shed some light on. Uh, what it's like to have it done and the repercussions of it if you're just doing it just to do it, if you're doing it for uh, birth control reasons or whatever. You know, I I think um, the person we have on tonight will definitely clear up a lot of things. I really do believe that, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Well, Greg, I say we go ahead and introduce her again. Okay. The person that we have on tonight, our special guest, She's a best-selling author. She wrote the book, Some Reasons Why Kids Gone By. Her name is Cheryl Williams. Cheryl, are you there? I am. Nice to meet you, gentlemen. Or rather, nice to be with you again, gentlemen. Yes, it's nice to have you back. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm glad that you included me in this broadcast. Um, This is a subject that is close to my heart. The book I wrote, Some Reasons Why Kids Gone By, it's a very poignant piece. It talks specifically uh, about the stories that are true about abortion. Um, what I wound up doing was doing ads in newspapers and magazines, and people sent me their true live accounts through the mail about abortion. 
So not only do I have a personal story in the book, I also have stories that people have sent me from different cultures, from different um, genders. You know, we have a male's perspective in it. Um, we have different age people. We have an older woman and a teenage uh, version. So this is going to be a good broadcast tonight. We invite the people to call in and let us know how they feel about abortion, if they've had abortions, um, if they're interested in um, purchasing the book for um, someone else. You know, I've had a couple of people come up to me, more than a couple actually, come up to me here recently um, in particular and say to me, a lady just yesterday told me, she said, I read your book. She said, I put it in my library, and she said, my my granddaughter was going through some some things, and I said to myself, where did I, what is the similar, what is the similarity I'm feeling? And she said she went back, and just the Lord just led her to the library. She said she picked up my book, and she said, that's it. And she sent a copy of the book and told her granddaughter just to read the first chapter. She read the whole book. And then she came back to her grandmother, apologized, and told her she was going to try to straighten her life out. Wow. That makes it all worthwhile. Yes, yes, it does. If you're just joining us, if you have any questions or comments for Cheryl or myself or Brian, the call-in number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. Cheryl, one thing I wanted to talk about tonight was, you know, we have the, the the traditional way of doing abortions, but now technology has come so far that now all that the females have to do now is take a pill. It's the morning the morning after pill. You know, Greg, that is so frightening to me. Um, the morning after pill is not new. It started in Europe, in fact, as many medicines do, and then came to the United States. What it literally does is the reason it's called the morning after pill, what it literally does is if you have been impregnated the night before and you have X amount of hours that you take this pill, it will abort the baby. So that's where the phrase, the phraseology, that's why it's called the morning after pill. And a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think, oh, it's innocent, it's, it's as innocent as the birth control pill, which does the same thing. A lot of people didn't know that. These are longer or shorter-term abortions. Either you do it within X amount of hours or you do it after the first trimester. Or You see what I'm saying? Yes. So a lot of people are thinking, well, it's nothing wrong with birth control pills. This is why the Catholic faith doesn't um, agree with the birth control pill because it is it uses the same... Um, strategy, it uses the same technology as the morning after pill. It's just the earlier version of it. Mm. And a lot of people don't know that. But uh, any time that you go out of the will of God, and I'm a Christian, so and I'm not saying that I'm a perfect person, because I Christ died for my sins just like Christ died for everybody else's. But my point is that if you are a Christian, be more selective about what you do with your life. You know, be more selective about what you do, how, who you hand your body over to, who you allow to, uh, to, to enter your spirit, because that's what happens when, when a sexual exchange happens. There's an interchanging of spirits. And so when you get impregnated, you have those two spirits intertwined, and any time you take a birth control pill, a morning after pill or whether you have an abortion is all the same process. Mm. Well, you know, Cheryl, what do you think a person that's taking these, um, well, someone that's having abortions, mm -hmm. later in life, do you think it will have some type of an effect on their bodies, you know, if, if they have the regular abortion from, you know, versus the morning after pill? You know, i tell you exactly what happened to me. Um for anyone, you guys have read my book. There are people, I invite you to, and, and I want, don't want to keep harping on the book, but I wrote the book for a reason so it would answer these questions for people who need the answers to these questions. The question is, is does, it have an effect, does it have an effect later on in life? And the answer is yes. It has, it's not only a physical separation. 
if you can just grasp a hold to that thought for just a minute, abortion is a physical separation. It's a tearing of the fetus from the womb. Now, that's a physical separation, but not only that, but uh, an emotional separation occurs too. So now you have something that has occurred in your life, especially if you are a Christian, because then it becomes a spiritual separation. So now you have something in your life that has caused you to become downtrodden, to feel bad about yourself, it lowered your self-esteem, it damaged your body physically in some ways. And um, we were talking before the broadcast, there's some people who actually use abortion as a form of birth control method, and they get abortions time and time and time again. Um, and, and just like in the morning after pill, it has the same effect. Anytime that you take something in your body that's going to tear your fetus, from, that's going to separate your fetus from your cervix or from your womb, rather, you know that you're doing physical harm to your body. And if you can just imagine the thought, and I'm not trying to cause anybody to um, have bad memories or, you know, because, you know, you think about it. I think of it in this context, just like, there are people who come out of the closet who are gay. And I'm not saying I, I, I support that. I'm just using this as an example. You, there are those of us who needed to come out of the closet and talk about these abortion issues because God charges us as older women, and I'm not that much older, but I'm older than a 20-year-old. I, I could have a 20-year-old child. That means that we are to reach back to those younger children and bring them along that's why God gives us a testimony. You know, these testimonies aren't just something that he's, it's not just something you go through in life, you learn a lesson. No, you go through it in life, you, you exchange it with somebody else, somebody else, and, and you exchange it with somebody else, and, and they give you their little bit, and you enlighten them, and they enlighten you, and it's an exchange in life. You know, so going through this tearing of the cervix from the, the fetus from the womb, it's a tearing process. It tears at your spirit. It tears at your soul. And it causes you to become, some people become depressed later on down the road. Some people may become mentally ill down the road. Some people may, uh, have, uh, may try to mask it with alcohol or drug addiction. You know, these are the things that can occur just from, having an abortion later on down the road because it's not something that goes away. It's not something some young women seem to think that, well, if I just pay my 250 or whatever and uh, I have this abortion, I'm going to forget this down the road. Twenty years from now when I have my first child, I won't even remember it. That's not the truth. It comes back to you. You remember what happens, and you remember in vivid detail. And it's a reason that you remember because you need to be – it's a lesson that that you need to share with the older people, with the younger people in your life, and those of us who are older need to share it with the younger people in our lives. You know, when you have any kind of testimony, this is not the best testimony, but how many of us have great testimonies? You know what I mean? So, you know, people ask me why I put myself out there like that because it is a testimony. And going back to the question, Yes, it, it 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 causes you down the road, like I said, all kinds of ramifications. You could become depressed. You could become mentally ill. You know, alcoholism, drug addiction, because you're trying to forget what you did in the past. When we as Christians know that what we need to do is come full circle to Christ and have His cleansing blood, you know, have His cleansing blood cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it does, and the morning after pill is just has the same effect, you know, because you can feel it, it for for anyone who's ever taken the morning after pill. My understanding is you can feel the soreness in your body, you can feel that change take place, that pulling away, just as if you would if you were on the table having a uh, cutterage or surclage cutterage abortion. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, and we have with us author Cheryl Williams. Uh, calling number is 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. You know, you were talking about the emotional part mm-hmm. of the abortion, and 
I know uh, quite a few women who've had them that, you know, at the time they were having them, they were saying, oh, it's no big deal, you know, I'm just, I can't have this baby because, you know, I'm in school or, you know, my mama's going to kill me or I'm not married and it's against my religion to have a child out of wedlock. You know, I mean, they have all different reasons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they never really looked later on to the emotional side of it. And what? I have a friend who actually had an abortion, and then later on she had children. And she she actually resented that child because she felt like, you know, I, I don't know, I, well, I don't know exactly how she felt, but my my what I gathered from her situation is that she felt like he wasn't supposed to be the one that lived, mm. you know, because she treated him so mean and ugly, and you know now he's he's like out of control, you mm. know, where he just doesn't like his mom. They you know they get into it a lot, and she's had other children after that, and they don't get along with him, so he became sort of like the goat, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Do you really believe? Well, tell me, what do you think about as far as the emotional? How do you think people are affected? I know you talked about that a little bit. You say some of them go crazy. But just give me, well, give me maybe, I guess, from your personal standpoint. Um, there are definitely, definitely hormonal changes that go on with an abortion. Um, my understanding is when you're impregnated, your body goes through hormonal changes. Now, your body is preparing your preparing itself physically, emotionally, and spiritually for the birth of a baby. And then when you abort that baby, whether it be with the morning after pill, whatever form you use, that's that's an abrupt change. My understanding is that this change does cause hormonal damage sometimes. And it's, it's, I haven't seen too much study on this, quite frankly. I'm just giving you a personal opinion. Some of the things that happened to me, um, I had, like I mentioned earlier, I have a story in the book. Um, I'm just to give you a little bit of it so so that you'll understand what I'm saying. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, my story was that I went on a Christian ashram. I was about 13 or 14 years old. I went to a Christian ashram, and some of the teenagers, some of us teenagers had a party. And... This goes back to what you were saying earlier, Brian, about what happens to um, um, it happens to Christians as well as non-Christians. I was a Christian and still am. So the teenagers, we had, at this ashram, we had a party. At that party, there were alcohol. There was alcohol and marijuana. That night was the night that I became impregnated. Um. I went through a hardship, and I finally wound up seeing a doctor to try to find out whether or not I was, in fact, pregnant. This doctor put what they call a copper 7 IUD inside of my womb while the fetus was still in there, if you can imagine. And I bled for two weeks straight after that. And you can feel, you can feel the pain. It's an excruciating pain. It is a pain that I have never felt before. It's worse than any menstrual cramps that you could ever feel, ever imagine. Because the body, what happens is when you menstruate, when a woman menstruates, the body is cleansing itself. So it's sloughing off those the muscles are sloughing off those line, those inner linings. That's what that's what the contractions are all about. That's the same process that the body goes through in birth. And it's also the same process that is falsely induced during an abortion. So if you could imagine, that's the same kind of situation, the same kind of technique being used to slough off that fetus from your the inside of your womb. It causes awful emotional damage to you. When you or walking around on a day-to-day basis, knowing that this is a slope, you know, this is a, sometimes this is a, takes a two or three-day process for this to happen. Meanwhile, you are walking around, the woman is walking around, and sometimes men, because they share in the process too, if they're in love with, if they were in love with the child or the woman and wanted to have the child, 
and the woman decided against it. But you're walking around thinking to yourself, what's go- you know, you you know what's going on inside your body. And I don't want to be too graphic. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But the point is that you you are aware of what's going on inside your body. If you can imagine what emotional damage that can cause over the years, if you think about that, you keep recall. You know, and Satan will play with your mind if you let him, and he will bring that incident back to you over and over and over again. This is one of the reasons I wrote the book to get young women and older women, not older, because I keep saying older, I'm 44, but older than the younger women, um, to get people to to come out of the closet and say, wait a minute, you know, this is what I, this, I did, I made this mistake the first time, the second time, the, the tenth time, you know, but the Lord brought me through it, you know, this is what, this is why I'm telling you this experience. This is the reason that I wrote the book, so that so that people, young women or people in general, can say, "Well, you know, I, I may have made that mistake. Now let me get my life. You know, let me let me not carry this on any further." Because I mentioned about women using abortion for a form of birth control, which means that they have abortions over and over and over again. So. This is the reason I wrote the book, so that people can say, they can have a guideline with their teenager and their young adult. If you want a good Christmas present, if you have a young lady who's out there, you know, and you're trying to bring her back, you know, if you have, or if you just want to sit down with your daughter and say, I made a mistake 20 years ago before you were born, you know, I felt ashamed, you know, we carry these guilt, shame feelings around sometimes. Right. You know, I felt ashamed, I felt guilty. That's why I never told you about it, you know. Um, or the or it could be the child who comes to the mother, Mom, I'm pregnant. I'm 14 years old. I'm 15 years old. I'm pregnant. You know, I, I'm thinking about abortion. You know, this is the reason that I wrote the book. So, yes, the emotional side of it never goes away. It The only time you get cleansing is when you get to the point where you've made peace with yourself, where you have said to yourself, my sins are as far away from me as the east is from the west. You know, when you know inside your soul that Jesus has cleansed you and has taught you that you are not a slave to your past, but that now you can take this example in your life, this testimony in your life, and carry it on in the future and carry it on so that somebody else can be blessed, you know, in some way by it. Well, sure, let me ask you this. You had abortions. You, you didn't have it. You didn't have it just for birth control reasons, or just because you wanted to go out there and you just wanted to have sex. No, I didn't. Do, do you think the person that will have the abortion? Do you think that that person will have the same mental um, anguish and stuff that yes, it, that a it, other it, person would? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I do. As a matter of fact, I very much so, if not more. Because if you because now it becomes an issue of you don't have anywhere to run. You have to face yourself. When you lay on that cold steel table, you know, and I said I don't want to get too graphic, but I mean let's be real. If you when you lay on that cold steel table, you know, with stirrups with your foot in stirrups, you know, and when you feel that vacuum clean I bet vacuum like type of clean um machine sucking that fetus out of you you carry that around emotionally for a long time. And if you don't belong to Christ, if you don't have your mind centered in God, you carry that around for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, you never forget that. Because, you know, the fact of the matter is you have committed a murder. Now, for those of you who say, wait a minute, you know, there are circumstances. I know because I was one of those circumstances. I understand the circumstances. I'm not saying that under my circumstances, like I mentioned earlier, where I had I bled and had to wind up, you know, that that wasn't my fault. But even still, if you made a choice, if that was your choice to do that, you're gonna think about that down the road. That when you have your first ch- first child, you're gonna think about that first aborted fetus, or how many others that you may have aborted, or you're gonna when you have or every time that you have a child, you're going to think of those aborted fetuses. And this is something that we really shouldn't take lightly. 
one out of every four 20-year-olds has had an abortion or who knows somebody who has had an abortion. That's almost at epidemic proportions. And I'm here to say, I'm screaming out, this is happening. You know, this is, you, you, you know, you see it politically and everybody hushes it and you see it touch, you know, you, you hear people talk about it every now and then, but they kind of talk about it real fast and then, you know, it's over. My point is to say, you know, this is going on. But what were the figures you mentioned earlier, Brian? 1.5 million abortions since 1973. And that's reported abortion. My God. You know, and, and that's what I was going to ask you about. You know, we, we're talking about, you know, the reported abortion, and we're talking about, you know, the numbers that statistics show. But we don't know how many girls who, for fear of, you know, retribution or for fear of, you know, being labeled as, you know, a whore or whatever, you know, or a dirty girl or a bad girl or a mm-hmm. slut, decided that they were going to just take it amongst themselves and use a wire hanger and what? literally rip, physically rip the fetus from them. You know, I mean, I can imagine somebody doing that themselves. I, I mean, I, well, actually, I couldn't imagine somebody doing that themselves. You know, and those numbers are the ones that are, you know, that are very underreported. You know, or how many girls do we know that hadn't gotten the R R U four eighty six, which is the morning after pill, from a friend of theirs? You know, exactly. Somebody went and got a prescription for a bunch and gave them to all their friends. Why? You know, and you know we're not even mentioning the fact that a lot of these birth control pills, if not taken a certain way, or some of them, you know, all of them actually cause complications. Why? In some form or matter, their side effects. You know, and. What most people don't even talk about, I think I, I watched this new birth control pill commercial talking about the Yaz pill or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the lady that's on there, she's talking and she's saying, well, yeah, you know, there's some complications like blood clot, stroke, heart attack, and even in some cases death. And right. Like, Wait <laughs> Jesus. A so you can die trying to not bring a life in, <laughs> you know. You know, I know exactly what you mean. Listen to this. This is an excerpt from my book. It's called. It's from chapter um, chapter four, and the title of the chapter is "You Did What, Miss Eunice?" And it talks about what we're talking about. It's relevant to what we're talking about now. And it says, first of all, she reminded herself that she would take a half a handful of aspirins. So, with a hanger in hand, she elongated the hanger and slowly inserted it into her vagina. Further. And further up, she pushed the hanger until she could feel the cold steel inside her womb. She had decided earlier to pull quickly. She kept telling herself, just pull, just pull. She did just pull, and out came a blob of blood, some white-looking mass, and it looked like that looked like it had white veins in it. Oh, my God, the pain was awful, stiffening. She couldn't breathe. My God, she thought, please don't let me die. And that's a real that's that's reality of it all. Those are the this is um called Miss Eunice, if you please, and it talks about a lady who it would be about now about eighty years old, who told me her story, um, of how she gave herself an abortion in a bathtub with a handful of aspirin and a coat hanger. And when I heard the story I just I was it I was stunned is not the right word. I was uh I was mortified. I was I couldn't you know that kind of thing. You, you know what I'm saying? You just it, I kept just kept thinking you know what what's happening here, you know what's happening in this world. What is you know what is going on when people those are the kinds of examples you were just talking about. Those are the millions that go unrecorded where where girls induce their own Abortions. It, it used to be worse years ago before they legalized abortion. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's not that the problem has cleared up. There are still incidences when that ha- when it happens now because there are girls, or like I had mentioned earlier, who are too, or you had mentioned too, who are too afraid to go to their mother and say to her, "Mom, I made a mistake." Instead, they would rather, like you said, go to their girlfriends. 
and take a morning after pill or, or go to some unreliable source and literally put their lives on the line. Well, let me ask you this. In a college environment, you know, you're going to have a lot of kids make bad decisions. They're going to be drinking. They're going to be drugging. They're going to be doing a lot of things that they shouldn't do. And, and a lot of times what happens is it leads back to sex. And the next morning they go and they tell the physician or whatever that they, they were raped or something happened and, and they get this morning after pill. How easy is it for them to get it? You know, I think it's easier than what we think. Only because think about how prevalent drugs and alcohol is. You know, there's a, a, a legal age limit in every state you go to. In some states, in the Bible Belt, the strip of the Bible Belt, you can't even, you aren't even supposed to have any alcohol. But it gets through. Just like the prohibition period when alcohol was banned and people started selling white lightning, it's the same principle. Even if you, if you are any 13- or 14-year-old could tell you right now where to get a joint from. Even if they don't use marijuana, they can point you in the right direction in their school. You see my point? Yes. So, yes, it is more prevalent than we realize. These young people are ruining their lives. They're putting their lives in danger and in jeopardy. And it's our responsibility to reach out and help. You know, and we're, we're the people in the world, world who stand up and say, I care. You know, I'm one of God's people. You know, this is this is my responsibility in life. This is my mission because that's how I feel personally. And so when people keep asking me about putting myself out there, oh, why would you, you know, because I get negative points of view. People say to me, oh, why would you, you know. I just got, um, I got offered to go on a television show, and I don't want to mention it yet because it's not solidified. Right. But the point was that people have said to me, well, why would you want to, Put that story, why would you want to put yourself out there like that? And I keep having to remind people because it is a testimony and because that's the reason that we are here and because we are all literally a part of the body of Christ and the toe is just as important as the tongue. And so if the tongue, and the Bible teaches us that the toe, the, the toe and the tongue is no different. They're equally important. So that means if the tongue is not doing its job, then something is not being said. You see, and if the toe is not doing its job, then we're not the the, the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. We're not somebody's not moving. Somebody's not walking in the right direction. Yeah. You see my point? Yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. You're right on point. Yeah. yeah. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We have with us author Cheryl R. Williams. If you have a question or a comment, you can reach us at seven one eight. Five zero eight nine six zero zero. That's seven one eight five zero eight nine six zero zero. You know, the other question I had was, um, and it's kind of geared more toward the um, the younger generation. You know, a lot of times the younger generation will hear us say something, and you know they don't always go with what we say. But um, have you ever had? To, have you ever? got into a situation where you've talked to a, a young person, like a young female or maybe a young male who's experienced uh, an abortion? Have you talked to them? And, you know, what was their their feedback, their perspective on things? Interestingly enough, I never have. I've spoken to young women who have gotten pregnant, and, you know, I have said to them, you know, and, and ministered to them, my own story, then this is not the way you want to go. You know, you can't make up somebody's mind. God gave all of us freedom of choice. But if you put it out there, you see what I'm saying? If you if you just do your part, if you put your part out there, you know, if you do your part, then, you know, interesting enough, I've never spoken to a young, I had the, the perspective that I have in the book for the youngest person in the book was my own. And that what happened when I was, 13 or 14 years old, and I'm 44 now. So that's been 20 years ago, and it happened from that person. But, it, 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 but you know what? Isn't it the truth that the stories are the same? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just because times have changed. You know, you hear people talk about, oh, times have changed, and, you know, the world is just so much worse. That, not really, because just when, when Jesus left two, over 2,000 years ago, the disciples thought he was coming right back, just like we think he's coming right back now. You see my point? Yes. So the world is in the same state that it was. 
And and the reason that the Bible is not obsolete is because it talks about those things that transcend time and transcend life. And so there are things in life, spiritual things, that go that transcend time and transcend life. It it it, 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 it they never die. They're all, they're never obsolete because it's always happening. Like good music, for example, or art, for that matter. So um, this the story that I have in the book. It, it, it touches the young people just as much if, as it would if I had gotten a young person's testimony from you know two thousand and six. Right. 2007. So I feel comfortable about that. Let me ask you another question. Have you um, ever experienced like a situation with the young people? And I, and I guess I keep, and I guess the Lord just got mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. talking about young people because I know that there's somebody out there that's, you know, getting ready to make that decision or that choice. You know, have you ever experienced where a young person has come to you and said, you know, I, I'm thinking about this. You know, I know I read your book. I know about your book, and I'm thinking about doing this. And if so, have you? You know, what have you said to them? I can tell you exactly what happened. Um, my niece—I'm not going to mention her name—but I have a niece now who's pregnant. She is six months pregnant, and she is 17 years old. And she has read my book. And when she went to her mother and told her mother she was pregnant, her mother having had her sister at 17 years old, you know, couldn't really reprimand her because she should be 18 soon. And, you know, it, it's no point, you understand what I'm saying? no point in um, reprimanding somebody for doing something that, that's the whole point why I keep harping on, we have to open up the doors of communication with these younger people, younger women, to let them know that, you know, it's the same situation that I was in. She came to me, and I could tell when she first approached me, uh, not really knowing what was going on, that she was nervous about it. I'm trying, so here I am praying prayerfully, and I pretty much knew that it was something along those lines. And she had read the book, and she said to me, and so her first uh, uh, thought was, well, I think what I'll do, because she wants to continue to co- in college. She's in her first year of college, and she wants to continue. And she told me that she would give the baby up for adoption. But she said, Auntie, she, she's not going to abort it because she understands the trauma that the body, she, now she understands the trauma that the body goes through, the emotional um, upheaval that happens when you go through something like that. And you can hear every doctor in the world who and, and I'm not and I'm not going to say any specifics, but I'm just going to say across the board, abortion is big money. Okay, yes. abortion is big money, and any time you tamper with somebody's money, people are going to get mad. But guess what? At the same time, that's their problem because our problem is to create a solution or to to give a solution for problems in the world. That's what Christians do. That's why we are the salt of the earth, because it's our job to impart solutions into the world, impart solutions based on the Bible into the world so that people can have a better way of life. That's the whole point of Jesus dying. So when she, having read the book, when she came to me and told me, well, instead of abortion, I would rather give the child up for adoption, that made me feel, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel that way every time some young person, and I've had, like I, the example I gave when uh, the first beginning of the broadcast, how um, a lady just came to me a couple of days ago and told me that her granddaughter was really out there. She was doing drugs. She was staying out late at night and that type of thing, and she was afraid that she would get into trouble. And she said the Lord led her to her library, and she picked up my book, and she sent it to her granddaughter and told her, she said, just read the first chapter. After she read the first chapter, she said she read the whole book, and she said that she called me that night and told me. She said, Grandma, I'm sorry. She said, I didn't realize. You know, because kids think that they are invincible. The younger they are, the more invincible they feel because they see time 30, 40, 50 years away from such a long distance because they, they don't see, it's not right up on them, it's not close up on them. Like for for me, time is just slipping away, you know. But 
for a 14-year-old, they see 26 as old. So uh, if you can get a kid to see that life is life is a day-to-day struggle, and 10 years down the road, you're going to have consequences for what you have done in your life from today. Yes, that's so true. Um, sure, we have a caller on the line right now from the 407 um, area code. Call, okay. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am here. Yes, do you have a question for Cheryl? Yes, I do. Okay. Now, I had um, got into a heated discussion with a pastor of mine, and my one question was this to him. I said, yes, pastor, I understand how wrong it is. I said, but do you under do you fully understand that those lives, if they were forced to be brought into this world, I said, what would we do with the children? I said, we barely, we complain about welfare now. We barely want to uh, adopt or foster care. I said, so if you force a mother or a parent to bring those unwanted children into the world, who would adopt 10, 12, 20 children at one time, and how would we survive, and how would the economy look? So that's my question. I can answer that. I understand uh, exactly how you feel. Thank you for your call, first of all. I understand exactly how you feel. Um, Now, people are not going to understand this, but this is a fact in my life, and I'll explain why. I am uh, against abortion, but, however, I am pro-choice. And the reason I'm pro-choice is because God gave all of us a freedom of will. That was the only thing that we we have that is is not completely under control. It's with freedom of will. We have the freedom to decide A or B. And A, we want to live for eternity. B, we want to die in hell. We have that free. God loved us so much that He even gave us the freedom to choose Him or not. That's how much He loves us. So in situations like that. There are different circumstances where nothing is concrete. Nothing is concrete. There are circumstances where people will say, "Oh, oh, she had an abortion, and you know she's just damn the hell." And you know that's nobody's in a position to judge. The only thing, the advice I could give would be the circumstances are different with each individual. I can't make a decision for some a right decision for somebody, nor can anybody else. The pastor or anybody else. We all have, and we, and, and I'm not, and I say this fully. I want everybody to have the full understanding that I am a Christian. But my point is that all of us have freedom of will. We have a choice. We all of us have a pro choice. We have that right to choose. And if you have been raped brutally, you understand. There are circumstances. There is a time to kill. If you've been raped brutally, if you if you uh, if you've been molested and impregnated by your father, you understand what I'm saying? There are circumstances. My circumstance was I was a 14 year old girl and went to a doctor who I thought I could trust. She put an I a copper seven IUD, which is a birth control method that literally looks like a cop. It's made out of copper and it looks like a seven, and she inserted it inside me and cause my fetus to start to abort. So there are circumstances, there are different circumstances um, that that are individual. And so nobody is in a position to judge, and nobody is in a position to make that choice for somebody else. And that's why I said that I would go with pro-choice. Thank you for calling, though, Carla. You're welcome. Carla, did you have something else? Um, I am... Um, Love is light from the MySpace, but I am also Cheryl's sister. Okay. Okay. How are you doing? I appreciate it. (laughs) Yes. Well, I just simply, I simply got into this heated discussion with the pastor because on Mother's Day, Mother's Day of all days, he showed a tape that said something to the effect of how um, women should be put in jail for having abortion because abortion is murder. 
and I hit the ceiling because I said, no, uh-uh, if, she, if the mother has to go to jail, then the father has to go to jail. It was just the most ridiculous thing that I had ever heard. And so he didn't appreciate, you know, the way that I was defending. He thought I was defending abortion. And I said, I'm not defending abortion. I'm just saying you know what is this world would look you know what would the world look like and as being a single mom and struggling so hard for so many years i just can't imagine uh a world of that many people if we don't step it up now if we don't find solutions now we can't force the world to bring in those kind of numbers of children without having a better system working for it yeah can i make a comment on that please thank you yes. Colin. yes uh, you know, while I kind of understand your um, what you were saying, I just don't think that abortion is the method. You know what I mean? I don't right. think that you can say because we're bringing so many children into the world that we economically won't be able to sustain them, then, you know, our, the the only solution that we have, like you said, we need other solutions. You know, I think... We have to get at the root of the problem, and the root of the problem is that we have people that are having, you know, and in and in, in you're talking about in the in the guise of our children. We have children who are out there getting into those and doing those things that are reserved for married adults, and so I think that's where we start. We start by teaching and instructing our children the proper way and letting them know that these are hormones and you have them and they work and these are the consequences if you don't use them the right way. It's like a car. If you don't drive down the right side of the street and obey the traffic laws, you're going to end up crashing. Exactly. You know, and so I think that's where we need to start. Then we need to teach people that, you know, these are responsible ways of doing these things. You know, for so often and for so long, we've been succumbing to the what the devil wants us to succumb to. He's saying, okay, you know you're not going to be able to stop all those kids from having sex. Just give them condoms. And so then we give them condoms. And then he said, well, you know you're not going to stop them from smoking weed. And so we try to tell them, well, look, just don't smoke crack, <laughs> you know. Almost like, or smoke a black and mild instead of weed, you know, it's, or you know, we know you're not going to get them to stop hanging out. Let's just build them a nightclub for teens and have teen night. Right, you I know? got your point. And, then, and, you're, and then you're right, 100% right, because there's no way in the world we should compromise with with Satan Right. under any circumstances. You know, he doesn't compromise with us. He wants us to sin. No no questions asked. Right. You know, but we constantly, okay, Satan, you know what, well, I'll go to the club, but I just won't drink. <laughs> you know, or Satan, hey, I... I I'll go to the club, I'll drink, but I won't get drunk. Right. You know, or I'll, I'll go and holler at that guy, but I'm not going to have sex with him, you know, on the first date, maybe the third or fourth or fifth, mm-hmm. you know. Or, hey, I'll, I'll holler at that girl, you know, but I ain't going to take her home tonight. I'll wait. You know what I mean? It's it's almost like we're compromising our faith right. in an effort to save face, you know, or in an effort to try to appease the crowd, you know, and... And I don't think that's the I don't think that that's the way that's the method that we should use. I think the first thing that we should use is we should teach them what's right and what's proper and what's appropriate. Exactly. That is abstinence. That's what I promote. And you know the Bible teaches the Bible teaches that you know we should carry His word down from generation to generation, and that's basically what I'm talking about when I say about from the the older women talking to the younger women, the older men talking to the younger men. That's what God charges us to do, carry his word down from generation to generation. You know, our, our his word is written on our hearts, and we are to carry it down from generation to generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's so true. You know, uh, I was listening to the caller, and I was listening to a lot of things that she was saying. She has, she had a very good point. Uh, Brian, you, 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 the things that you said were, were also right on point as well. I, I think that, what we need to do is look at where all of this happens and meet it at the front, mm-hmm. and that's with dealing that that's with dealing with choice. Yeah. Uh, sex is not something designed for 
people that aren't married. It's not, it's not designed for them. It's designed for husband and wife. And I think a lot of times what happens is we get out, we get ourselves in positions where we, you know, it can happen. I know a young lady that said that she dates, but she won't go anywhere unless there's other people. She won't let him come to her house. She won't go to that person's house. Right. She drives her car wherever she goes, and he drives his car wherever she he goes, and they're always around people. That's that's her. That's her thing, and so she's never put in a position where she's tempted to do that. Mm. So I, I would say the strategy of all of this is watch what you do. Don't put yourself in a position for it to happen. But, Brian, like you said, hormones, they're going to happen. Things will happen, but we're going to have to learn to deny the flesh. Now, that's something very hard to do because the kids are really looking at uh, I won't say any television shows. They're looking at television shows and sex is being pushed in front of their face every yes, single yes. day. Mm-hmm. Every time they turn the radio on and they hear a song, if it's a slow song, it's talking about bumping and grinding. If it's a fast song, fast song, it's talking about dancing a certain way and the acts of the dancing is sexual in content. It's just when you see everything that they see is sex, 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 sex. So it's it's really hard to tell them you shouldn't have sex because they're going to want to try things. They're going to hear things, and at some point they're going to come to their peers and what they what their peers are saying. I've done it. It's no big deal. You can do it. Graduate. You can do it. Go from being a virgin. It's not good to be a virgin anymore. Is what the uh, not popular. Yeah, it's, it's not popular at all that the kids are saying that. But right. Yeah. So Cheryl, what would you say to a young person that's saying, you know what? This sex thing, I might want to give this thing a try. I, I might want to just try this out to see what it's really like. Like I said earlier, life is, you can't really make a decision for anybody in this world. The only thing that we can do is try to give them the best examples that we can, try to give them the best testimonies that we can, Um try to move them in a better direction um, to, to channel that energy, whether it's sports or academia or whether it's a, an art form like um, hip-hop. And I say hip-hop because there's gospel hip-hop. Yes, there is. Yes. Art music, art music or whatever. Channel those energy, energies into areas that could be positive and keep them busy. Because for one thing, we have too many last-key kids. We have too many kids that are left home alone um, on, on, while mom goes out to work all night long. Or the club. Yeah, or, exactly. <laughs> or, the, <laughs> or the club. Yes, that's right. You know, we it, when we were younger, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know exactly, but when I was younger, you know, I was discussing with a friend of mine the other day. In our household, the word liar was a no-no. You do not call anybody a liar because that's an awful thing to do. You see what I'm saying? Yes. This is the difference between the way we look at things today and the kids look at things today and we looked at them 20 years, 30, 40 years ago. Just the word liar was forbidden in our household 20, 30 years ago. And so parents have lightened up. Parents now feel like their children are their friends. They want them to come and discuss things with them, and uh, we'll work, we'll compromise, we'll work things out. In my day, either you did what the parents said or you got your behind beat. Yeah. You know, either you, did, either you did what your parents said or there was a consequence to follow. You had to be punished. You had something taken away from you, or you were physically disciplined. And I'm not saying abuse. I'm saying, but I'm saying there's a time to, if you, Bible teaches us, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. And not only does it says that, but it says that the that God chastens those that He loves. So we need not take punishment out of the system and out of our household. If our children are unruly, we need to punish them and tell them right then and there, this is the consequence, because the children don't have consequences in their lives anymore. That's why they're running so freely, because they don't have any discipline. 
they're, they're going to their parents on a friend-to-friend basis. Oh, we can work something out, girlfriend. Don't worry about it. You know what I'm saying? As opposed to the parents saying to them, this is the consequence. If you drive the car drunk, you do not get the keys to the car for the next two months. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. Because there, we have removed consequences from our children. And the Bible teaches us that, like I just said, God chases us because he loves us. And he knows what's down the road. This is just a, a, a depiction of the uh, of the household. You know, we we are to the father is to follow the same example. He chases the children because he loves the children, and he knows what's what's going to happen down the road. Haven't had the experience, have you know? And the mother haven't had the experience of of, of experiencing some of those things in her young life. So I really think that is a big part of the problem. My goodness. Choose life. Yeah. Yeah. He, he gave us a choice. We have That's the truth. Life or death. He said, choose life. What? My goodness. <laughs> so, you know what? Now that you said that, Greg, it's almost like he gave us a choice, but he really didn't give us a choice. <laughs> That's right. He gave, he, he gave us the answer to the question. Of what should I do, Lord? Well, you got you got the choice of either life or death. Choose life. Right. You know, so there's no debate in His word, and, and if He said it, and you believe Him, and you believe in Him, then you have to you have no alternative but to choose life. Yeah. Exactly. That's so true. So, Cheryl, if someone wanted to get in contact with you to buy your book or to have you come in their church or their school or at their job to speak, how would they get in contact with you? What is your contact information? Okay. I can be reached at raspberrypress.com. That's my email address, spelled R-A-S-P-B-E-R-R-Y-P-R-E-S-S.com. My post office box is P.O. Box 65157. P.O. Box 65157, Baltimore, Maryland, 21209, 21209. And the number I can be reached at is 1-410-542-0156, 1-410-542-0156. And the name of the book is Some Reasons Why Kids Gone By. You can... Uh, Get it on it on, through PayPal right now on the um, website Raspberry Press, and also you can um, contact uh, Brian and Greg for a copy of this show if you'd like to have a copy of this show. Yes, absolutely. We'll make sure they get it. You know, Thank you. Yes. What What we have two minutes left. What's your final uh, thought or or, or do you think your comment? Well, we have a minute now. What would you want to say to someone that's considering having an abortion that is not, it's not a health risk, but it's just something that they want to do? Do things God's way. Bottom line, do things God's way because, you know, what I was saying about punishment and suffering the consequences, the truth of the matter is that we all have to suffer the consequences for our actions in life. Don't do something that you don't know what the repercussions are down the road. If you're thinking about having an abortion today, how is that going to affect you? Think about how that's going to affect you 10 years from now instead of just thinking in a box. You know, Ms. Williams, we thank you again for coming on. And um, our final thoughts are, you know, when I think about the million and a half reported cases of abortion, those were a million and a half people, reported people. I keep saying those were reported because I want people to understand that there were millions that weren't and we'll never know the true number. You know, but of all those people, they could have been the savior or you know, they could have been that could have been the second coming for all we know, you know? I don't want, and I don't want to just say it like that. What I want to say is this. 
It could have been you. Right. It could have been you. And so think about that, you know, ladies, when you're thinking about going out and having an abortion. It could have been you. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. Thank you, and we'll see you on Friday. God bless. Yes, thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, gentlemen. Nice to be here again. Yes.